Dr. Christopher Witt, and this is Margins, where we have conversations with change agents. Actually, this is our last episode of Margins, because I'll be moving on. I'll be moving on to Omaha, Nebraska, where I'll be at Creighton University as the Vice Provost for Institutional Diversity and Inclusion. It's been wonderful doing this work here in the Quad Cities at WVIK, engaging in these conversations, not only with leaders from our community, but also leaders and thinkers from all over the country. But the time has come to finish this chapter and move on to some other things. So today, we're going to take some time to look back on some of the things that we aim to accomplish with margins and some of the things that we look to do moving forward. I'm joined with my wonderful producer, Lacey Scarmana, who has worked so well on uh, making margins a success and really bringing these conversations to the people. Congratulations on the new position, Chris. Thank you so much, Lacey. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work you've done on margins. And our working relationship began during the election cycle when you provided political commentary for us most weeks of 2016 leading up to the election. Yeah, I mean, when, when we were working, uh, you and I and Jay working on uh, really figuring out the best ways to approach some of the perspectives that weren't always covered in, in typical political coverage, that's where we really started coming up with ideas of well, what if we had conversations with other folks uh, about things that are going on, not just politically, um, but with leadership or lack of leadership uh, in communities and really finding those people who are change agents and having those conversations. And I mean, I think we were able to put something together that really shed light on perspectives and conversations that a lot of people really weren't privy to before that. And you've had conversations with several change makers over the past year or so. We've talked about diversity and equity in the workplace, in the media, in all these different realms. But one thing that we haven't even highlighted really is your role as a change maker, both at Augustana College and in the Quad Cities community. I mean, it's definitely been my pleasure over the years uh, to really step in as, as a leader in the community to, to really grow. Uh, came into the Quad Cities as, you know, this fresh face tenure track professor just trying to make that transition from graduate school uh, to being a professor. And that was over a decade ago. And uh, now I'm leaving and I'm moving on to be a senior leader at a a big uh, university uh, in Creighton University. So I certainly have been able to grow. Uh, I've been supported uh, by the people here in the Quad Cities community, by a long list of friends and colleagues at Augustana College. And many opportunities have begun other opportunities, but I I like the idea that when we were doing margins, that it wasn't about me, that it wasn't about the work I was doing, but I was able to use the connections and the networks and the friendships, truly, that I made over the years with people both here in the Quad Cities as well as people around the nation um, to have those conversations and really bring those things to light. So it's certainly been my pleasure, and everyone who we've had on seems like they've had a great time. Uh, because we've been able to have it in more of a conversation format as opposed to them being quizzed like they're in a class or something like that. Yeah, I think the conversations are fun and informative. Are there things that you learned along the way from your various guests or new perspectives you heard that made you think in a different way that you hadn't before? I mean, there were times where I was having conversations with people who I've known for a long time 
but a lot of times we may have known each other in a particular capacity that, you know, let's say we have an example would be like Dr. Melanie Price. She's a political scientist uh, in the Africana Studies program over at Rutgers University. And we know each other. We're friends, but we know each other more in a professional capacity. We may kind of trade barbs back and forth on Facebook. We end up seeing each other at conferences and other things. And, and we'll talk about politics and things of that nature. But we had never really had time to sit down and have long conversations about what it meant to be people of color in higher education in this political moment and really dig in and to really see, okay, what are some things that she's lived through that I've lived through? Because generally when you have friends that you don't see on a regular basis, a lot of the time when you do see each other, you kind of catch up on more day-to-day personal things. And you may learn about each other's career trajectories. You may learn about the trials and tribulations of each other's uh, careers over the course of years, but it's never compacted into this structured conversation format. And I could say that even for some of the folks who we've had here uh, in conversations who may be right here from the Quad Cities. Uh, not too long ago, we had um, Brandon Carlton on. And I knew about some of the things that he had done in the community, and I'd worked with him on things in the community. He had supported me, I had supported him, but I didn't know the details and the background of some of those things. So, I mean, I've been learning just as much as the listeners have been learning about these people about the wonderful things that they do, as well as their perspectives. And I think that that's one of the things that we as Americans need to get better at. We need to get better at paying attention to people who we may see on a regular basis, but figuring out what's their perspective, what's their background, what are they bringing to the table, how are things hurting or helping them uh, in life as opposed to just kind of everybody staying in their lane and not worrying about the next person. I mean, that's the whole idea of diversity and inclusion. The two things have to work together. It's not just that you know a lot of different folks. It's like, well, how's everybody being included and do we have equity in those situations? And those are some of the things that we started off with episode one uh, with Reverend Dwight Ford and Belinda Tyler Jameson, who's uh, with the Rock Island County NAACP. We were able to start talking about those things and it really set the stage for conversations to follow. Let's let's talk about that first episode, because we were both going into a new territory with this project. And for you, it was kind of like an extension of some of the relationships and work you had done up to that point in the community. Um, when we talk about that first episode and we talk about the uh, the pleasure it was for me to have uh, Reverend Dwight Ford on, who's a person who I've had lots of opportunities to um, have dialogue with on a personal level, to collaborate with. We've supported one another in various ventures. We've certainly worked hard for the community. It was just great to be joined by him. And and now that I'm moving on to Omaha, he's been a great help in that transition because he spent a number of years in Omaha. So he's been able to really give me insights there. So we certainly are continuing our mutually beneficial friendship and relationship, uh, both professionally and as friends. And the same could be said for uh, Miss Belinda Tyler Jamison with the Rock Island County NAACP. She's certainly been one of my biggest supporters, and I've certainly tried to collaborate with her and the NAACP 
over the years. It was my pleasure over the summer to be awarded with their Charles Tony uh, Civil Rights Hero Award. And, and most recently, my wife and I had a scholarship named after us uh, for community action. So children in the Quad Cities for years to come will be able to have a scholarship uh, that's named after my wife and I for the work that we've done. And, and they can continue to do that work. And we certainly will be back uh, to try to um, give out that scholarship. We'll try to support that scholarship. But I think that having those genuine connections and really having this as a platform uh, to reach more people, it really helped bring together this decade that I've spent in the Quad Cities. And I'm just so very appreciative of all of the people who were able to join us here on Margins, as well as all of the people in the community who have always supported the things that I've done, because the things I've done I've done it in the interest of everyone else. It's never like like we said earlier, I didn't want to have margins to talk about me. I wanted to have it to talk about what's going on with them. So I just have enjoyed every moment uh, that I've had in terms of being able to reach people through this platform and many other platforms here in the Quad Cities because this is a genuine community and the people here, really folks around the country who are listening, they need to come check it out here because there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good work. You've been here for 10 years and as you say, built all these relationships and formed connections with people in the community. What are you going to take with you moving forward to this new job in Omaha at Creighton University and build upon that in a brand new community? Well, I certainly uh, look back on my early years here in the Quad Cities, and part of it was I was coming in, I was young, I was really trying to figure out my way, and I didn't have a blueprint on going into a, a Midwestern city or metropolitan area and really uh, making the connections that will be needed to move forward. I really didn't have a full grasp of my career trajectory. I didn't have a full grasp of what I could offer a community. Uh, whereas going into Omaha, the Quad Cities has allowed me to figure out my trajectory. The Quad Cities has allowed me time to figure out where I can be most useful, where I can help other people to shine, where I can really... Um, step in and help things that are already going on, make them stronger, make them better. And I think going into Omaha, going over to Creighton University, coming in as a more seasoned person, I don't want to say older person, but, you know, a more seasoned person going in now with a family as opposed to being single. Uh, you know, I'm knocking on 40 years old. So now I'm still young, but I have a, a little bit more uh, experience under my belt and really having a very defined mission and a defined role, uh, it's going to help me. And I'm going to be able to look back at the times where I did things right, where I made mistakes and had to learn from them. And I think I'll be a little bit more uh, focused earlier on and I'll be more precise with the ways in which I engage and how that engagement can help Creighton University and how that engagement can help the community as a whole grow as opposed to in the Quad Cities, I mean, truthfully, there were times, particularly early on, where it was kind of trial and error because a lot of us were learning these things together. A lot of the people who I collaborated with, they also were transplants. They were also people who were coming here for careers or other reasons. And we were just trying to get together and really become part of the community and build a stronger community. So I'll have a lot of things in my heart as well as in my mind that will stick with me and help me, hopefully, uh, to be successful in the work that I do in Omaha and, and beyond. 
And it seems for the past several years, more colleges and universities are creating these roles of diversity officers in whatever title they may take at each individual institution. What exactly goes into that role and what are they achieving on college campuses? I think each college and university, they they title their roles a little bit differently, but they also have the approach as to how that person's going to lead could look different at each college or university. Sometimes they focus more on uh, student services. Sometimes it's focused more on simply diversity among faculty and administration. And then other times you have a much broader perspective, uh, at least going in at University, the approach for my new position, which is an inaugural position, is that broad perspective. It's really a collaborative effort where, yes, I'm in senior leadership. Yes, I'm part of the provost council and the president's cabinet. But at the same time, one person can't do all of this work. Even if they were to give me, you know, a staff of foot soldiers, the work still has to be something that is embraced by people across the campus, be it in student affairs and res life, in academic affairs, uh, in the the staff, the administration, wherever it's going to be, athletics, that people have to embrace it. But you need someone who's going to be able to bring together a cohesive vision in terms of figuring out the best ways for people, regardless of their background, their immigration status, their race, their religion, their sexuality, whatever it's going to be, that they feel like they have a feeling of full ownership in the community, that that they feel is just as much their university or college as it is the next person's, that you figure out the best ways to put in place practices, structures, um, trainings, all kinds of different things to move towards that. There's no one person who's going to come in in a chief diversity officer role, a vice president, vice provost role, whatever it's going to be, and be able to snap their fingers and see everything change in a semester or a year or two years. But you can start to slowly but surely change a culture. And that's one of the things that I feel very proud about in the work that I've been able to do here in the Quad Cities that for various reasons, I've been able to play a role in really changing perspectives, changing mindsets, raising consciousness, um, playing my part in really changing the culture when it comes to diversity and inclusion within institutions like in Augustana, but also when we look more broadly in the, in the wider community. So I think that um, we see this happen in a variety of ways, but I'm certainly ready to engage when it comes to Creighton and the Omaha area. Yeah, you've, you've, we've touched on them a little bit, but you have had a big impact in this community, starting um, with your work with the QC Empowerment Network, running a Black Business Expo, really being a resource for people who needed you, whether they were your students or just people in the community, and doing these initiatives with intentionality and purpose to try to make changes in the community and, and I think probably enlighten other people to the work that you're doing. What are some of the things you're most proud of that you've been able to accomplish both on and off the Augustana campus? Well, certainly, I mean, you mentioned the, the Quad City Empowerment Network, which is something that I've certainly been able to be a great collaborator and leader uh, with that. But there, there were people who were getting some of those things in the works before I joined in. But I certainly would say that I was one of the folks who came in and we all banded together 
and we really built it into something. Uh, we we started with we took the ideas and we started to apply them. We took the ideas and we had Black Business Expos. We had Final Fridays networking events. We have uh, lunch and learn events for uh, Black business owners. And it's really something where if we can strengthen the Black community in the Quad Cities, connect the Black community in the Quad Cities, work with the rest of the Quad Cities community, that does nothing but strengthen the entire Quad Cities community. So I'm very proud. Of and the role that I play collaboratively uh, with a long list of people who have worked hard and continue to work hard after I leave when it comes to the Empowerment Network. And that also has opened a door for me to make connections with Empower Omaha, which is the original Empowerment Network. So already, even before I'm on the ground in Omaha, I've been in touch with the folks out there uh, doing the work. So once I get there, I'll be able to touch base with them and kind of hopefully hit the ground running. Um, I feel like I feel very proud of a lot of the work that I've done in working with friends and colleagues and really building a community of black professionals. A lot of people working at a lot of different places, people working at the Arsenal, people working at John Deere, working at the various colleges and universities, working in state and local government, where a lot of times people of color, not just black professionals, but a lot of professionals of color feel isolated. Uh, because in their office, in their workplace, they may be one or one of very few uh, people of their particular background. And when we figured out ways, either through the Empowerment Network, through informal relationships or other means, to really build supportive relationships, to really bring people together, I feel like people have been able to stay here longer. They've been able to build their careers more. They feel like their experience, be it long or short in the Quad Cities, has been something that's been productive and positive, and I'm proud of the fact that I could play at least a small role in helping a number of people with that. I, I feel like I've been able to do some of those things for some of my students and former students at Augustana. I mean, some of the work that I've been able to do, uh, not only when we talk about students of color, but students of all backgrounds who were able to, in many cases, I might have been there only or one of very few professors of color. And they're able to have that experience and we get to learn about each other's backgrounds and they get in touch with me. And they let me know later on, years down the line, that Certain things that they learned in my courses or experiences that they had with me have helped them with their careers. And I mean, that makes me proud. So I've not only been able to be a change agent in the community, but I've been able to do well with my actual career, you know, of being a professor. And I've worked with some amazing colleagues uh, in the political science department and across the college. And I think we've all learned from one another. And I think that we've really heightened the consciousness uh, across the institution at Augustana College of the importance of building connections with the surrounding community, with the fact that you can have a bigger footprint that maybe you might be a person of a particular background that isn't very well represented at the institution. But if you have those connections in the broader community, well, guess what? You have a bigger footprint that we're all people and that we all need those supportive environments. And I feel like as I leave, people recognize that more and we've been able to act on that more. Through this podcast, Margins, you've had the chance to talk with a number of people right here working in the community and who are coming in from outside and know you from previous experience or um, they were coming through town for, for various reasons and you've gotten to talk to them about their work. 
What is their impression, if they're not already from here, of the Quad Cities and the work that's being done? I mean, some of the opportunities that we've had have been amazing. I mean, we've had uh, Maria Inahosa from Futuro Media Group. We've had Dr. Amber Beckley from Stockholm University, as I mentioned earlier. We've had Dr. Melanie Price from Rutgers University and others who aren't uh, located here in the Quad Cities. And in the process of engaging in conversations with them, Right here uh, with the Margins podcast, not only have I learned a lot from them, and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot, but they actually were able to learn of some of the things that we have going on right here in the Quad Cities. And our guests from out of town continue to rave about how they just didn't know. They just didn't know about the diversity uh, of the population here in the Quad Cities. They just didn't know about all of the work being done here in the Quad Cities. Some of the examples of things that they may want to bring back to wherever they're located uh, when we get to talking about things here in the Quad Cities. So it certainly was uh, something that made me proud in, in doing this Margins podcast and being able to engage in those conversations with people who I guess could be considered visitors or outsiders and to be able to discuss with them some of the amazing things going on right here in this community at this college uh, in connection with uh, this station. It was something that I think made us all proud. And it really was something that was um, very valuable to our listeners. I mean, I have a number of colleagues and some people I don't know who have gotten in touch with me to say that they're listeners uh, here with the Margins podcast and to have them working in some of the places they're working, talking about sharing some of the things that we've talked about with their colleagues has been amazing. I mean, I have a colleague who actually works with Pew Research and um, my colleague told me that that she was sharing our podcast with folks at, at uh, Pew. Uh, just the fact that there are people across the country doing amazing work who actually care what we have to say right here in little old Rock Island really is a testament to not only the work we're doing, but also the magic of having a podcast. So it's certainly been rewarding and it's been a great learning experience from that perspective. Yeah, I think since we did start our work together in the election season and then that came to an end with the election, of course, and people were... A lot of people were surprised by the results in Donald Trump beating Hillary Clinton. And something we heard a lot about in the run up to that, but then especially afterwards about this kind of disgruntled white working class American in the heartland, which, you know, encompasses this area that we're in. And it seemed like a lot of voices were being ignored in that conversation. And I think that what we've been able to do here is give a voice to people here in this community. And whether you're talking to them or you're talking about the work they're doing to people who are traveling in, it gives them a chance to have their voice heard and their work elevated to, like you're saying, a national or even international scale and really showing people that diversity exists here and there are initiatives underway to try to spread that. And I mean, when we, when we talk about, you know, kind of the elusive Trump voter, um, be it that they're a former Reagan Democrat who's now jumped over to Trump or they're, you know, a staunch conservative, you know, white blue collar voter, if they're somebody who's part of the Christian right, whatever it's going to be. A lot of times, particularly when we talk about those voters in the Midwest, the picture is painted that they have no interaction with people who are different than them. 
And yes, I guess if we were to drive far enough outside of the Quad Cities or other uh, metropolitan areas, be them bigger or smaller metro areas, maybe there are places that are very, very homogeneous. But I think that it's a big falsehood uh, to act like these folks in many cases aren't working with, living with, knowing, having people in their families who are different than them racially, ethnically, religiously. All of those things that if we don't own up to the fact that the Midwest does have diversity, the Midwest does have immigrants, the Midwest does does have black folks and other people of color. And there are lots of people who basically contribute uh, to that diverse patchwork that they didn't just get here last week, that they've been here for quite a while, that you really get a false picture. And you start to be able to kind of let people off the hook in a way that shouldn't really be. That people, we should really give people uh, we should have faith in people that they have agency. They have agency of their own. If they've decided to vote for Donald Trump, if they decided to vote for Hillary Clinton, if they've decided to be conservative, to be liberal, to be in the middle, that they know what they're doing. A lot of times we end up hearing people basically saying, oh, they know not what they do. No, voters know what they're doing. Voters decide where they want to get their information. Voters decide who they want to interact with, who they don't want to interact with. I think we all could do a better job of listening to one another and interacting with different people. But just because folks are in the Midwest doesn't mean that they're in some sort of bubble. And I think margins, as well as a lot of other, uh, you know, media uh, opportunities, podcasts, other types of things has shown that, no, there's lots of diversity here. There's lots of hard work being done. There's lots of people innovating. Uh, and, And we can't overlook that. And I think that's something that does get overlooked, not only at the national scale, but in local media, which is why this podcast was so so great to give people a platform to talk to for talk for 30 minutes, 45 minutes on an issue. So you're not calling and getting a soundbite in reaction to something, some news story that just broke overnight, that they actually have time to flesh out their thoughts and their ideas. And people really have the chance to listen to their perspectives. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people who we've had come on here. Um, they're people who usually are reduced to a soundbite. Even even people who have books, you know, they're reduced to some particular quote in their book that a lot of people aren't really going to check for uh, whatever they've produced. Whereas here at Margins, you're right. They're able to have uh, an extensive conversation. They're able to elaborate on their thoughts. I'm able to elaborate on mine. And we can kind of bounce off of one another. And it's certainly an opportunity for people to have a better understanding of what's going on in the minds of leaders uh, throughout their community. And I mean, it's one of those things that it's been effective enough and it's been successful enough that people have started to spread the word about it. I've already had people in Omaha get in touch with me talking about, well, can we kind of recreate the magic, come up with something? And and once I'm established in Omaha, I would hope uh, to be able to try to do something like this, you know, either, you know, <laughs> bring margins back from the dead <laughs> or to do something else like that. But I mean, this certainly has struck a chord with enough people in enough places that there's interest there that not to say nobody's doing this, but to say that there always is that need for people to to be heard as individuals, not to just be interviewed, to actually engage in conversation. It's one of those things where if you go to, let's say, a barbershop and there's a a couple of old men playing checkers and just talking stuff and having no intention of getting their hair cut, sometimes there's great value in just sitting there listening to them. 
And I think the same thing can be said in a more modern context when it comes to podcasts, just sitting down and listening to people engaged in conversation and really following their stream of consciousness, that there's not really a list of questions. It's kind of this question leads to an answer, which opens the door to another question and a comment and a question, comment, question, whatever it's going to be. But you have this more natural flow than if it's just, oh, we see you have a new book. Tell us about the book. Was it fun writing the book? Thank you. Goodbye. No, that's not what we were trying to do here. And we weren't trying to talk to the typical folks who get that voice. And I think that's why having diversity is so important to have diversity of thought and of ideas. And that's something that you mentioned, Maria Hinojosa, one of our early guests of the podcast. She saw in her journalism career that there wasn't much diversity and she didn't have a voice where she was. So she started her own media company and started Futuro Media and can really give voice to people who are often silenced in these settings. And I mean, that certainly was a magical episode because we had Maria, this nationally or internationally known, you know, basically star. Um, Tar Macias, who was working in the community. Exactly. We had Tar Macias here, who's been a longtime friend, who who runs Ola America Media here in the Quad Cities. And here he was with the opportunity, and he was so happy for me to invite him on, where he's here with one of his idols engaging in a conversation. And we all were able to talk about things from our various perspectives and me kind of being a person who's on the margins of media and them being people who are really at the heart of media. I think we had a nice nice conversation there. And uh, we're able to see that those perspectives is very important for people to have a voice that far too often uh, people just don't have a voice. And if you don't have a voice and you don't have control over your own narrative, not only will people be able to misrepresent you, your community, your people, but they'll be able to misrepresent you to others, but they'll start to misrepresent you to yourself. So there's times where people, particularly when you talk about young people, they don't have a a strong or positive image of themselves and their community because either their stories are not being told or their stories are being mangled by people from the outside. That's why it's so important whenever possible in any type of format to try to give as much voice to as many people as possible, as many times as possible, because then you start to hopefully get the story straight. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for going on this journey with WVIK and lending your voice, your political commentary, and then jumping in and and being willing to do this project of margins with us. I think your voice has been invaluable to the station and bringing in a lot of guests who, as we just talked about, often don't have a platform like this to share their kind of stream of consciousness ideas on race and equity and diversity and just life living as a person of color in whether it's in the Midwest or on the East Coast or in Sweden, you know, people can share their experiences and and teach other people about their different backgrounds. I mean, I'm very, very appreciative of this opportunity. I'm very appreciative of all the work that you've done, Lacey, in terms of kind of guiding me through uh, what it means to do a podcast, what it means to be on the radio, because you're the professional. I'm certainly coming in as the person who's done more of the professor community leadership side of things. So I think that we've made for a good pair in making some of these things happen. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to uh, the next steps that each of us, as well as each of our guests have uh, in our lives and careers. And I'm sure that 
all of our paths will cross, uh, you know, in the future. So I appreciate uh, your efforts and I appreciate uh, WVIK for providing this platform and this opportunity. And I certainly appreciate all of the listeners who've supported us throughout this journey.